kid. Hi, everybody. It's Brian Eisenberg, and I'm here with Coach Steve Jansen. He is the German national team coach. He is also coached with the Cubs. He has gone on to play and win in the Baseball World Cup. He's got an extensive history of coaching. But what I really brought him in today is if you haven't been on Twitter and seen some of the stuff that he's been posting about natural motor preferences, then I think you're really missing out at understanding where development should be and obviously where it's going with what he's doing with his baseball action ID. So, Steve, welcome. Welcome, Brian. Thanks for having me. Really, really an honor to, to be on your podcast. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Yeah. Every day you keep sharing little hints of information that the little, um, my mentor likes to call the little beagle in my head just goes crazy. Just saying, wait, wait, where is he going with this? What does he mean by AM athletes and PM athletes? And if you train one versus the other, not only will they not necessarily get the most out of their training, but you may actually cause injury as well. And so I wanted to dive in with you today in helping people understand training needs to be individualistic. We know that, but more it needs to feed into the right patterns that our athletes need. Just because we have a preference for how we want to do things. And we often see this with professional athletes when they go to coach, right? They want to just do what they had done naturally versus really taking the time to understand how the athlete is made up. So can you tell us a little bit, before we dive into the details of what it is, how you actually came about like finding that this was important? First of all, when I was still working with the Dutch national team, we were a, let's call it a master coach seminar with all national team coaches in Holland, with all different sports, both sports, team sports, individual sports, but also the G sports. So mm -hmm. it was like a very wide variance. And we had those uh, meetings. We came together and we talked about all type of stuff regarding coaching in general not really sports specific, but everything that comes into coaching and handling a group and that type of stuff. And we were introduced to uh, this thing called action types. And action types was something that was founded by uh, two French volleyball coaches. Uh, it was, it's fairly young. It was about 20 years old at that time, together with some physiotherapists and a couple doctors. They found some things out. They found a connection, for example, between the Myers and Briggs type indicator and how the human body moves in general. But it came to my attention right away that this could be something huge in sports in general, and especially in our sports, baseball. I saw from the get go, it was so deep. It was, it, I was like, and I was so busy at that time. And then, yeah, pandemic hit. And there we were all at home. And that was my chance to go, you know what? Take this as a benefit right here and use this opportunity to really jump into this action types thing. And I really jumped into it. 
and for now, I, because it's so huge about both mental side and motor side, and I like focus on the motor side first, which I'm still doing every day today, because it will take four or five years at least can you, when you say, you know what, you're really on, on top of everything of this. And by reading it, by going into that, having talks with the founders themselves and, and did the course with them and that type of stuff, I started to make a transition and a translation towards baseball in general. And obviously we, as coaches, we always say, you know, these days, everybody says, you know what, everybody is different. Everybody moves different. And, but then you go to an instruction or you go to somebody teaching and you see the same things happen or everybody's different and everybody needs his own stuff. And then you see somebody rehabbing from a shoulder injury or an elbow injury or a knee injury, and you see everybody's doing the same thing. But we all say, we all agreeing everybody's different, but at the end of the road, we're still doing the same stuff with everybody. It's still cookie based. What we actually should do is before we can start instruction, instructing or talking, throwing, pitching, hitting, fielding, running, whatever it is, whatever movement pattern it is to players, we first have to know their motor profile, their natural individual motor profile, because that's the way their body is built in order to be able to move. I'm a big believer that a lot of today's injuries are created by teaching outside of the individual motor preferences. Now, you, you gave a great example earlier before, before we started recording about how they're walking and the hip joint. Can you explain that in, in terms of also like how you communicate to hitters? For example, we have in the world, we have two different type of movers. We call it the walker from the top guys and the walker from the bottom guys. In my posts, I keep it pretty easy. And the walker from the bottom guys, I call them AM chain athletes. And the walker from the top guys, I call them PM chain athletes. What is PM? Posterior muscle chain athletes. So the walker from the top guys use mainly their posterior muscle chain. Walker from the bottom guys use mainly their anterior muscle chain. Now that is all. This is all because where the uh, center of gravity goes through the hip joint. Now you got 50% of the world that have the center of gravity in front of the hip joint and 50% of the other 50% have their center of gravity in the back of the hip joint. Now for the guys, ladies, guys, or girls, whatever it is, when they have their uh, center of gravity in the back of their hip joint, they get a half move their hips first, bring them forward to start that imbalance thing in order to be able to move. The people that have the center of gravity in front of the hip joint needs to move their shoulders, bring their shoulders head over that center of gravity first to get that imbalance thing going in order to be able to move. If we translate it, for example, towards pitching, everybody's teaching a stay back, stay over the rubber, corkscrew, or whatever everybody's teaching, but that's great for a walk from the bottom guy, but that is against the motor profile of a walk from the top guy, which going to get hurt. 
because, like I said earlier, he's going to actually be more focused on his anterior muscle chain, which is his weaker link of his body because his stronger link is in posterior muscle chain. For example, those athletes, they need to go and they need the shoulders to go first and not the hip in order to get that momentum uh, spin going. Yeah, to no. get that momentum going and that acceleration going in their movement. For example, if you compare it with hitting, if you see, for example, Mike Trout swing a bat, that is in one tempo, one rhythm. He's a walker from the bottom guy. One tempo, one rhythm from the hips. If you see the Cody Bellingers, for example, or in a better example, is Ken Griffey Jr. When he's swinging, you have those, like they have two tempos. Like it seems like in their movement, they have that extra acceleration going. And that has nothing to do with being stronger or being more efficient. It's just to do about natural mode of preference because he's a walk from the top guy and he needs the shoulders, head to start their movement. So taking that into all type of, of movements in general, it's actually huge to know that because for example, a walker from the bottom guy has about 70% of his weight are on his heels. And a walker from the top guy, about 70% of his weight are on his balls of his feet. Now, if I'm a walker from the bottom guy, which I am, mm. and I have 70% of my weight on my heels, and I'm an infielder, and my coach tells me, be on the ball of your feet. You can't get the momentum get, going. I can't get the momentum going, and I'm going to have trouble with my knees. Vice versa, if I'm, a, for example, a guy that is more on the ball of his feet, and somebody says, okay, you got to be more on your heels for whatever reason, then it's going to hurt me too. For example, a walk from the bottom guy will be an adduction guy. So for example, if I'm taking a lead, okay, it will always, for example, I mean, if I will take my lead, okay, I will start with my left foot going towards my yeah, my left foot going towards my right foot first and then my right foot. Walk from the top guys are abductions. They first going to step out right and then the left one's coming. So that's just a little example. Now, a, a nice story, it's not out of baseball, but it's out of soccer. There was in Holland, there was this, it was like a 14, 15 year old kid and was one of the biggest talents in the country, soccer. And he plays in very little club. And the biggest clubs in Holland wanted to get him. Well, he goes to one of the top three biggest clubs. He goes there and after about six to eight months, <laughs> injured, knee injury, big time. Okay, how it goes. Hey, you got to do it nice and easy. Take rest. Physio, ball. three, four months later, starts back up. Same thing over and over again. Going to different doctors till he walks into a doctor and the doctor says, you know what, you got to forget about soccer. It's nothing for you. You're done. Your body is just not made to play soccer. So the kid's parents kind of like, they felt from the get-go something was not wrong because up till he's 15 years old, he didn't never ever had a problem physically. So they got in contact through their network with those two French volleyball coaches that invited Founded Action Packs. 
So those guys profiled him and started talking with him. Now it turned out that every time when he played in that little club, they let him go and he actually worked through what's inside his own motor profiles. And when he went to the big club, they started to teach him how to move. To make a long story short, he was totally teach the opposite for what his body was built of. And it was one injury to the other injury. So those guys told him like, hey, you know what? You know, everything you learned there, forget about it. Try to go back to what you were. Okay, it took a little bit. The kid started back up a little bit. Right now, he plays in the under 23 national team of Holland and didn't have any knee injuries anymore. But you walked into a doctor that said, forget about something. It's not for you. You're not built for that. It's just a small example how we as coaches can actually, just by not knowing the individual natural motor preference of the individual, that we hurt people more than we help them. And what we should do is if we don't know exactly 100% the motor preferences of an individual, we cannot talk movement patterns to the individual. We got to coach on the intent and not on the mechanics, biomechanics, movement patterns, whatever word you're using for, because it doesn't make any sense. We're going to hurt people. Just look how many billion a year that MLB organizations are losing by injuries. And of course, there are guys that have been throwing the baseball for 20 years. And of course, it isn't healthy to throw baseball so many times. We all know that. Combine a not healthy way of throwing the baseball in combination with doing that in a way that your body is not built for. And that's red flag on red flag. And that's a disaster. Yeah, no, it's frightening because, as you said, right, everybody wants to talk about intent. Everybody now we're moving to a world where we're getting heavy on biomechanics here, right? We can get biomechanics on a telephone try to give recommendations based on that. But if we truly don't understand how the individual is wired, right? That's really what we're looking for. Like great movement is how our senses and brain communicate to our body for us to move most efficiently. And when we are messing around with that, obviously we're not going to get optimal results, no matter what, but whether it's obviously injury is the worst case, but there's other pieces along the way that, that, that can be dangerous. What, one of the things that, that I'm curious about, we talked about this a little bit, is obviously we're not hearing here in the States a lot about this, right? It's not, it has not become a big thing. We just have millions of kids playing baseball and all that. And so our parents are not really concerned about this stuff. But I go ahead and I, I'm a very curious kind of person. And I see people like friends, boss, yourself, and these two other gentlemen. They're really pushing not only motor learning, but obviously understanding these preferences and really like thinking about training athletes in very different ways than, oh, let's just get a kid in the cage and give him a bunch of cues and hopefully he'll figure it out. Maybe he'll be one, could one day to do that. Why, why is it so different coming from Europe? And obviously you've been in, in the Netherlands and now Germany. Why is it so different than that American approach? 
First of all, like you mentioned, there are different things that came out of Europe the last couple of years, obviously the motor learning, which what I'm doing right now, it's not motor learning. It's more out of the motor preferences of the individual. So it's two different things. There are things connected, obviously. That lets them They're cousins. Yeah. Let's put it that way. We're moving. The thing is, first of all, I think a lot of stuff out of Europe comes only for one reason. The difference in, in, in talent pool. In, in, for example, in the U.S., and I must say, I, I look more to Asia. I look more to Japan because it always, for me, intrigued. And not these days anymore. Back in the days, they were the smaller people. They didn't have the big bodies, yep. but they were the same way. They were so intelligent that they, that the way they used their body, they were able to produce the same bat speeds and arm speeds. And, and obviously they were able to swing the bat hard. They hit for power, the little guys and throw the ball hard. The little guys, obviously that changed with Otani's and all that type of stuff. He's so, a completely different creature. Yeah. It's just a, a great example of somebody that, that uses his body, body optimal. Yep. Although he's been taught some stuff too, and that's what sure. resulted, that's what resulted in his, by the mid in his career that he dealt with a lot of, uh, uh how you call it? Yeah. Injuries. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, it's what I wanted to say about U.S. and Japan, their death pool of talent is so big. So if number uh, 15 doesn't do it, we'll take number 16. And if 16 doesn't do it, then he gets hurt, take number 70. It, it sounds hard, but that's how it is. It's a numbers game. Now, yeah. Now, the thing is, we only have 15 guys. So we better make sure those 50 guys stay healthy with all the respect. We have more than 15, but no. So the talent pool is so limited that we first have to keep them healthy. Second of all, because in Europe, all European countries, the bigger talents are going to play soccer or going to, and if they tried soccer, they're not good enough to soccer. They go basketball. If they're not good enough in basketball, they go in volleyball or field hockey. And then, you know what, if they tried a couple of things, they work, you know what, maybe baseball is something for me with all the respect, because we got some good athletes, but overall in general, in Europe, you get, you don't really have the exposure towards the real athletes. So the couple we get, we have to be so inventive and creative with them. And in order to be able to be successful down the road, yeah, we're looking a little further than what our little league coach told us. And we're going to look a little further. And the thing is, especially the way I looked at it and I, in the past, I changed too. We looked in gadgets and in software and that type of stuff. But the big biggest problem uh, with that for me personally is, for example, software will tell you how the movement went and how the, but 
it doesn't do anything. It doesn't record anything regarding the internal process. And that is something that talent development in, in, in general forgets that, you know, that everybody is different, not only the way they move, but the way they think, they perceive, and all that type of stuff is completely different. And that is something with working inside your own model preferences that takes everything in consideration to go into your development. And that's a little bit for me personally, in a nutshell, which the biggest difference, why you see some, yeah, invent, it's not inventing. It's just, it's stuff that's out there. It's existing for so many years, but yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a little, it's, we yeah. have to apply it in order to be able to be successful down the road and to keep, stay a little competitive with the bigger countries. So if you were a college coach or a high school coach today here in the United States, and maybe you're in an area that's not a, you know, where, where I am, it's one of the highest level schools, it's what's called a 6A school. So there's a lot of talent around here and all that. Well, let's say you're from one of the smaller ones or a smaller junior college and you're a head coach and you want to get more out of your team. How could they use something like natural motor preferences? to become a better coach. What are some practical examples for them to be better with that? First of all, it wouldn't mind for me if I was in a big school with the biggest talent or the smallest school with the lesser fortunate players. What I would do, the first thing I would do, I would profile all my athletes and all my staff members. Okay. So. First of all, my staff members, because I need to know how they, who they are. How can I talk to them? How do they work? How can I work with them? For example, if I'm working with you, I can tell you like, hey, this paper, I need 20 copies, take 20 copies of me. And you could go, okay, Steve, I'll do it right now for you. That's a way you can handle it. Another way you could handle it is like, hey, wait a second, thinking by yourself, like, hey, I'm not your mate. So if I, if I don't know what individual you are, then it's already, we already have a problem. Now, if I know you're, you're a top guy and go, hey, Brian, how are you doing, man? How's your, how's your family doing? How's your kid doing? Hey, uh, did he play this weekend? Uh, yeah, this and that. And so we talked a little bit for a minute. And then I go, Brian, can you take me, make me 10 copies of this? And you go, sure, Steve, I'll do it. So at the end of the road, it's, I asked the same question, but, and this is an example of a staff member, but it's also how you talk to your player. Yeah. Now this is on the cognitive side, just a small example, but it's the same thing on the motor side. The example I gave earlier because of the walk from the bottom of the walk from the top guy. And I tell I walk from the bottom guy, like, Hey, you gotta be on your toes or you gotta be more this or more that. So I need first a complete motor profile, which direct link to his cognitive and emotional. So I know that too. And I will do that first. And then I will start looking at that's hard 
and go further. And it goes pretty deep. He goes not only where he starts walking from, but what is his motor eye, which is completely different than a dominant eye. It could be the same. What is his motor shoulder? Is he a horizontal or a vertical player? No. Is he a high frequency or low frequency guy? For example, high frequency, low frequency. And the guy with low frequency, I tell him, like, for example, pick up the spin of the ball, mm -hmm. which he would never be able to do because he is a low frequency vision guy. So all those little things we have to know as coaches before we can even start talking. It's like communication preferences. We talked earlier about you know, Myers-Briggs type. And I know a lot of people are going to say it's not scientifically valid. If you understand the science behind Myers-Briggs, that it's just a snapshot of preference of how people, and let's look at it, right? How we prefer to perceive things. So as you were telling me, there are two different ways that I could have been communicated there. How we interpret things, right? Uh, how we react to things, right? And then how we communicate them make this, and make our decisions. And, and if I would add one more, how we... That, that's it. So I've gone the, the brain type of communication part and we talked about earlier. I highly recommend this book for anybody in any kind of communications field. Introduction to type and coaching from CPT.org because it helps you understand those types. But now you're taking it to a next level where I actually think many people are intelligent enough and emotionally have a strong enough emotional quotient of EQ that they can handle if you miscommunicate with them here or there. But the risk of putting them in extreme athletic opportunities and not understanding it seems to be much higher than miscommunicating. Yeah. Obviously, you put them in a, in a severe risk of injury. Like I said earlier, look how many billions of dollars that are on the uh, list the, the, these days. Just look at, uh, stay in the, in the pitching side right now, look at all the Tommy Jones. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Don't and they're getting younger that, and younger. That's what I'm saying. Don't tell me that all that was so necessary. There will be injured guys being injured because, hey, if you don't do anything, you can't get injured. Correct. Let's put it that way. But like I said earlier, a lot of those kids are taught or instructed into that severe Tommy John injury. That's what I'm thinking. As I'm talking to you about this, it makes me think, is the epidemic that Jeff Passon talked about in the arm, how much of this is related to the fact that Years ago, when I was growing up, there really weren't pitching lessons. Nolan Ryan talked about, he didn't have a pitching coach until he went to the Angels. If you've seen the movie Facing, Facing Nolan. So in that area, we didn't have that. Now, all of a sudden, we're putting kids six years old, no exaggeration, with pitching coaches, and they're getting hurt at 11 and 12. Something's off. To take that example... The worst thing you can do and is to make a picture from your kid. That's the worst thing you can do because it's like you said, at six or eight or even 10 years old, they're going to put them on a, on a, obviously a sum of month or just a flat ground, whatever. And they're going to talk mm -hmm. and they want to call it mechanics. And 
and the instructors really want to sound smart biomechanics. But you know what? Let's just let the kid throw. Let him throw. I don't care if it's a baseball. I don't care if it's a rock in, uh, uh, over the water, skipping rocks in the water, throwing, throwing, whatever. Throwing is throwing. Yep. And pitching is throwing at a target. It's still throwing. And the way I look at it, it's pitching for me is 90, 90% throwing and the last 10% is pitching and it's how to get hitters out. That's getting a game plan, how to get hitters out and working on your different type of pitchers. That's the tip. But other than that, it's throwing. Hitting with a tennis racket, throwing American football, it's throwing. Yeah. And you know what? I, for as far as I know, I don't have a lot of quarterbacks seeing going into Tommy Jones. They don't, they don't seem to have the same injuries, correct? And it's, a, wait, and it's a heavier object. Yeah, but that's another thing. You can't throw an object. You can't throw it any heavier or lower. It, the way they talk about it in baseball, it's like the arm is only made for a five-ounce baseball. It is, that's what I'm saying. It is, it's like an elephant. If you take a baby elephant and put a little chain around his necks, and let him walk around a little pole for a couple of years. And the chain is about 10 feet. And he walks around that pole for 10 years. And after 10 years, that uh, 10 foot chain, you make a 20 foot chain. How far is going to walk around the pole? 10 feet. 10 feet. Or even if you take off the chain, they're going to walk the same pattern. Absolutely. That's what it is. And then and that is the limit you put on your body. And yeah, so that's what it is. And a lot of people, and especially in the baseball world is pretty, um, yeah, let's call tunnel vision, maybe on, on those type of things. I, I actually, I don't know if it's tunnel vision as much as it's locked into tradition. It's yeah, a piece yeah, of correct. traditions and it's hard to break that. Absolutely. You're totally right. And then they start talking about what you know that's because of you, you do something wrong it's a bad mechanic and this and that but what is good what is bad just if you walk on the street just look around you if you see 10 people it's 10 different people if you see 20 people it's 20 different people so what is good and what is wrong yeah and and yeah. while we're all built similarly we have two arms two eyes right one mouth two where muscles get inserted and the shapes of uh, the hips, all those things are going to make for our preferences on top of neurologically, again, how we're perceiving, how we're making decisions, what you said, what our eye is doing. And we seem to have been neglecting all of that all this time. Yeah. And the thing is, the only that's the way I always say, the only mechanics we need to look at and we get, need to look at, we need to feel it, and we need to listen to our, our own natural and personal motor preferences. Because these things will produce the most healthiest way, the most efficient way, the most efficient way, and the most energy-saving way of moving. And if that, if that is walking, if that is kicking a soccer ball, if that is throwing a market football, if that is hitting a tennis ball with a record, if that is swinging a bat, if that is feeling a ball, if that is throwing a ball or throwing off the mouth. That's what it's all about. With the motor preferences, 
when we profile somebody, I can exactly say what is natural arm slot is. And then you have people like, yeah, you know what? But I have different arm slot, blah, blah, blah. But you know what? Down the road, if you go outside your motor preferences, outside how your body is built, you're going to be exposed to a severe injury. It's as simple as that. Because you know what? Mother Nature created you that way. And you, as a coach, we got to accept that. And as a player, you got to accept that too. Because that is just your way. And now inside that window, you got to optimize things in order to be the best possible person inside your own profile. Best possible me. It's interesting. And I kind of want to wrap up with one or two more questions. There's been research recently that came out, right? That they put hitters on force plates, for example. Some seem to be as you said, quad, quad dominant, and some appear to be hand, back chain dominant. And they both hit equally hard. They both hit equally efficiently. It doesn't seem to matter if it's one or the other, as long as it's obviously, like you're saying, the right one for the right player. Correct. Correct. It's actually, yeah, it's, there are actually four different, let's call it motor groups. It's called that way. They call it the uh, global, which is actually people that are the bigger muscles will initiate movements and will be used. Then we got the distal group, which is obviously, it's more like the first thing it's going to be the hands, arms, uh, legs. Then we have the rhythmical group, which is people that are going to move more which the movement is going to be initiated from the left side of the body a little bit more. And they're going to be the walk from the top guys. And then the conceptual group is also a walk from the top group, which initiates movement from the right side a little bit more. For example, on your, on the force play things, just taking those two, you will see difference with guys that have more force on the left foot and more force on the right foot. For example, those globals, the globals, they will have and the Tesla uh, group, they're going to have 50-50. And they need that as the conceptual and the rhythmical group need that left and right difference. Because the walk from the bottom guys are symmetrical people and the top guys are asymmetrical. And they need that. So if we would use force places you know what, too much weight on your right side, you got to get 50-50. If we teach guys like that, we're already harming them without knowing. I mean, because if I would teach somebody without knowing that stuff, I will teach what works for me. Correct. So what works for me doesn't work for you or it doesn't work for your kid or your player or whoever it is. So that's another thing with all the force plates and all the... Uh, things that is out there and the rapsodos and the exit velocities and it's all great but it should be aids it can't get to the goal but if we want to have the perfect spin rate if we want to have the perfect exit velocity we first have to put the individual in his perfect way of moving 
And that is something that not only in the baseball world, but if you don't know anything about motor preferences, you will never be able to get your player in his perfect situation in order to be able to move in a efficient, healthy, and most energy saving way for that individual. Because that's obviously what the body's always trying to get to, no matter what. I want to wrap up with one, one final question, because, you know, I think if you're a coach, you're a parent, you're an athlete listening to this, you're like, okay, I get it. Working in my natural motor preference is something that is going to be ideal for me to find. You mentioned that it takes five minutes to assess an individual once, once you know what you're looking for. Can you share, obviously not the whole process, but the type of things that you may look for, and you even shared one on, on your post about how people's ankles are around the rubber, but can you share some of what you're looking for when you're assessing an individual and why it only takes five minutes? An assessment are all small. Yeah. I don't even want to call a physical uh, profile. It's not tests because it's not because good or bad. It's just how the body's built. It's just, yeah, a testing battery, profiling battery, whatever you want to call it, where we see if you're walking from the top guy, walking from the bottom guy, what type of, uh, if you're an introvert, extrovert guy, if you're a high, low frequency, if you have a right or left motor shoulder. You have a right or left motor eye, vertical, horizontal guy, for example, towards hitting, it's going to be the difference between a vertical bat and a horizontal bat. Mm -hmm. And these are things we all have to know in order before we can start teaching the kid. The thing is for the profiling, you got to experience yourself first, a profiling. It's actually very simple testings, but. If you, before you can do it with somebody, before you can talk about it, you got to experience yourself. Mm -hmm. So it's very simple. It's like, okay, where I'm in my strongest position, if my heels are on my, sorry, my weight on my heels or when my weight is on my toes mm -hmm. and have somebody, for example, push you, yeah. where am I more stable than other? It's takes a little bit more than that, but that would be a very simple way of trying to test it. Even people, for example, that are walking from the top and you will ask him like, what? bring your weight on your heels and go down a little bit with your butt and kind of go a little bit through your knees, kind of like imaginarily sit in, mm -hmm. a, in an air chair. Yeah. Like they a can little even thing. do it. Yep. They can even do it. They can't even do it. So that type of stuff is something that, for example, or just put somebody in, what is it, against a wall with his back, sit against the wall, but in like a 135 angle or something like that, not 90 because that's a little bit too deep. And then out of that position with their back against the wall, okay, now stand up. What did, what are they going to do? Are they first going to move their shoulders first in order to be able to stand up or, or are they going to move their hips first in no. order to be able to get up? So these are very small things you could do by yourself. 
obviously they're not official testings. So there is, there could be a disorder in that test. It's not a 100% guarantee right. test. That's why we, when we profile somebody, we use different testings, but also different testings to do the same thing to not being able to, to do that. Well, that's, but they do the same thing in the Myers-Briggs. They ask questions that are similar, but not identical so that they can confirm that you're one preference over the other. Yeah, correct. Another thing you can, we all know it from back in the days when we were in gym class, mm -hmm. when you and I worked together and I hold your shoulders and you have to run and I got to keep you and we got to keep your shoulders. And there were guys we would never be able to hold. And there were guys that weren't able to move. Yep. Now, who are the guys that couldn't able to move to walk from the top guys? Sure. Because they couldn't get their shoulders going. Yep. Now, if we would hold with the, how do you call it? The hips. Now, the guys that we couldn't hold wouldn't be able to move. And now the other guys, we couldn't hold because they get their shoulders free and they can, we can't hold them. And the other guys can move. That's another way of how you could test, for example, if you're a walking top or walking bottom guy, if you know that, obviously it's only one, one parameter, 20th of the yeah. thing, but it all already gives a big indication, which is also totally connected with how your foot placement is in order, how you walk and that type of stuff. And then you, for example, know if that's pitch, if that's pitcher uh, needs to stay over the rubber and court or he needs to go right away. Yeah. It is so important. It is so important to know that stuff before you can talk movement patterns to an individual, because we're hurting more people than we're helping them. I've did it myself. Let that be clear. I'm not better than anybody else. Yep. I did it till the moment that I ran into these people and I went, whoa, wait a second. I was totally, totally wrong because you know what? This is not how the human body is built. Yep. No, a hundred percent. Now everybody listening to this should know better. I'm going to add one thing for everybody. If you just want anyone to start with giving, if you're a coach and you want to start by sharing with your team, like a Myers-Briggs uh, test. My, my former consulting psychologist, Dr. Nick Grant, developed a simple one. So you don't need to be Myers-Briggs certified, but it's a 20 question test. It's real quick and, and it'll give you a snapshot. Again, it's not going to be perfect. It's not validated by M MPTI or anything like that, but it'll give you a snapshot. I sense uh, possibly, Steve, you may have developed a course on this at some point so other coaches can learn from you. But if they want to learn a little bit more now, obviously they can follow you on social media. Can you tell them where they can find you? First of all, on Twitter, it's Coach Steve 10 and on LinkedIn, just my name, Steve Jensen. As we're speaking right now, I'm working on a website, which I'm, yeah, I hopefully takes a little bit more time than originally thought. I know it was not going to be two or three days or overnight, but I'm working on it. And by the time it's coming. Yeah, I hope to kind of like in the next week or so, week or two, be able to put that, make that one, uh, yeah, 
officially online and I will also put it on my social media stuff, put it out there. And we'll, and we'll add it to the show obviously. notes afterwards as yeah. well. Once you have it, well, I'll add it into the show. Absolutely. That's very good. And then, yeah, from there, I will put in a lot of posts I did right there. I make like a blog on it too. Got mm -hmm. like a little explanation what it is, where it came from and that type of stuff. And then obviously, uh, yeah, by that time through the website then, uh, or through the social media, they, they can ask questions or whatever, if they're interested to go further, there's always more than happy to, to share the world. Coach Steve Jensen, I appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. I know our audience is going to get a lot of this, especially if they apply it. Have a great evening. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me, Brian. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review or sharing it with a friend. Also, please consider following us at Baseball Mentors and picking up a copy of our book, Play Ball Kid. We wish you the best of luck in your baseball journey.